0: hello everybody and welcome to Nokia Chronicles with Adrian Justin and myself Ben wood who's the special guest for today and uh
1: what a special guest it is Adrian
2: it is and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's beautiful it's a beautiful 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 intro he's just uh, rolled it off quite nicely there and um yeah let's uh let's take it away let's do it great radio voice too
0: Ben well thank you very much it's uh it's. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to do a few of these things over the years, so uh, and a bit of broadcast as well. So, um, always about mobile phones, usually. So, um, it's a good topic.
1: Oh, well, uh, cool. Can it. I get rid we're of Justin and
2: I'll have you on instead?
1: Yeah, exactly. Every week. <laughs> you know who you sound like, and hey you, you might be aware of him. He's an English uh, DJ. DJ has come to Australia. He's called Christian O'Connell. You sound exactly like him.
0: Ah, well, you're stereotyping us poor Brits now, you see. Yeah, bloody hell.
1: It's true, but you do sound like them. All right, (laughs) anyway, let's go to the first question, Ben. So, look, a lot of phone manufacturers have come and gone. So why do you think the Nokia name conjures up such warm nostalgia as opposed to the other major players from back then, say your Siemens and your Ericsson's and all that? So it's it's mainly just Nokia that people remember. Well, I mean, that is a... That's a brilliant
0: question. And, and the, the challenge with this podcast is I've got no idea what the questions are going to be, so I have to think on my feet. Um, I think one of the reasons why Nokia has such a resonance and has become a brand that has been a magnet for so much nostalgia is that in many cases, the Nokia mobile phone was the first phone that, that people ever had. So something like the Nokia 3310, 126 million sold the population of Japan. Many people can look at that device. And I think there's an emotional engagement with the device, not just because of the phone itself, but because of the experiences that it brought into their lives. And then if you kind of work through the the crazy years of Nokia, when they were going through this massive um, period of design diversity and creating weird and wonderful devices uh, and making massive step changes in technology, be it Screen technology, the introduction of cameras, the introduction of the Internet, mapping, all sorts of different things. Um, the innovation curve was astonishing, and, and, and Nokia were the ones who were defining that. And so they were in that kind of period during what I call the kind of Cambrian explosion, if you know your evolution history, uh, of kind of mobile phones. And at a point where the mobile phone was on its way to becoming the most ubiquitous device on the planet and uh you know here we are today this year we're gonna have a bad year and probably sell about 1.5 billion phones around the world and that's I think about 42 every second and Nokia were the market makers for that so that that that's why I think Nokia has a special place in people's hearts
1: that's uh, true uh, a lot of a lot of first there and uh bloody hell we we spoke about this earlier in the uh before the podcast Adrian but this guy's stealing all my thunder I'm talking about bloody. Eras and epochs and everything. <laughs> I was about. I've got a question coming up with one of those things. <laughs>
2: uh the hell, he's your spiritual twin, I think.
1: Oh, I think so. I think so. All right, hey, you better get over to it before he answers one of your oh, questions. Better try and fit
2: something that. in. Yeah. Okay. On to me, Ben. So, the first phone you ever owned was the Nokia twenty-one ten. Now, tell you Correct. tell the listeners what attracted you to this device and what was so special about those early, early days of Nokia devices?
0: What a, another great question, and one I'm, I'm really delighted to answer. Um, the Nokia 2110 is special to me because it coincided with my entry into the mobile phone industry. So I joined um, a little company called Vodafone in uh, 1994. I, um, I'd i been at university. I'd studied a degree. I'd, I'd spent some time on a, on, a, on a kind of placement for a year during um, my university time at Texas Instruments. So I'd kind of got interested in technology. And when I was looking to find a job, I um, basically applied to any company where I recognised the name. That was my criteria for getting a job. So I tried all sorts of places, Procter & Gamble, Renault, British Steel, you name it, anywhere where I recognised the name. And I applied to this funny little company called Vodafone in a little kind of market town, 50 miles west of London. And I arrived there. And not only did I arrive there at an exciting time at the start of just as GSM was happening, but I arrived and was put into a division of the company called Vodata, which was the part of the company that was responsible for delivering um, services beyond talking into a phone. So I was in the team that helped to pioneer text messaging, what was known as SMS, uh, and also mobile data, which was amazing as well. And met some amazing people, um, a common friend of ours, I think, Mr. Mark Squires, who uh, was working with another uh, gentleman called Matt Chatterley, who's gone on to be a partner in crime for me on the Mobile Phone Museum. And the Nokia 2110 was the most functional device on the market. It was the first phone where you could easily receive text messages in terms of a handheld form factor. There were other devices. The first device credited with uh, pioneering text messages was the Orbitel 901, which uh, we have in the museum. Um, But it was also the first phone that you could originate um, text messages. And uh, I remember harassing Mark and Matt to get my phone upgraded with the latest firmware so I could join that magical experience. And again, some listeners will remember in those early days of the internet and it really was rudimentary you could get something called a PCMCIA card you could slot it into your laptop which is about five times thicker and five times heavier than the laptops we use today um, and you could then connect to the internet uh, by plugging that via a cable into the 2110 as well so it was a device of which dreams were made of and arguably was the device that set the trajectory for the the rest of history in mobile uh, with regards to look today at things like WhatsApp, billions of messages, look at mobile internet uh, and you know data on mobile phones. No one thinks about it in a technology term right now. You just get the internet and everything works. Um, so there's a special place in my heart for that device. But there are so many Nokia devices um, that I'm absolutely in love with. I, I, I've got an unbelievable list of devices that I've fallen in love with over the years, which I'm sure we'll explore some of those on today's call.
2: Yes. oh sorry <laughs> I, I thought you just then, no 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 still here just bamboozled um no uh, this is just uh so many awesome memories uh, that you that you talked about there you know especially with the PC you know PCM I can't even mm. say it the cards and it, you know yeah. like you said it just it's, it's I'm, just I'm a certain s- sorry you go ahead
0: I'm super excited no because I think having listened to chronicles you've had a lot of people on who've covered some of the latter period of Nokia and, and yes, you know, yes. I'm fortunate to have been back in those mid-1990s. And let's not forget, you know, there's a lot of history here. So, you know, looking through the collection of devices, you know, the earliest Nokia-related product that we have is a Mobira, which was a brand that Nokia bought, Mobira Talkman ME50, which is a 1984 device. Um, I was still at school back then. Um, and then, you know, products, the first Nokia-branded product is the Nokia that we have, is the Nokia City Man 100. Um, from 1990 but it was that period when I joined the industry in, in the mid-1990s and what happened after then which was just incredible and I always had this that was kind of the yorma uh, uh anti van yoki pekka uh, uh oh, pekka poker oh, I forget his name now that's terrible I should I should remember that but um <laughs> there was a whole era of people who were running the business then and I had this Kind of story I always used to tell about Nokia that at Nokia House, which I've been privileged enough to visit loads of times, and I know I'm going to make one of you jealous because I think one of you hasn't been, but one of you has. Yep. Um, yep. I, uh, <laughs> has I I had this th- I had this this theory that there was a secret mm-hmm. vault in the bottom of Nokia House where they had all these products which they would kind of figured out, and they occasionally Yorma and the team would go down there and they'd open the cupboard and they'd kind of go nah the world's not ready for this yet and shut the cupboard again and that's where products like the communicator and the 7110 and some of the more extreme products in the future kind of i used to think resided because the nokia 2110 when it launched um there was a huge discussion internally at nokia from what i'm told researching the history on it as to whether they should even launch it because they felt maybe it was too advanced uh for the marketplace and um it was uh, a Frank Nuovo design, uh, another icon in uh, in Nokia's history. And uh, I think Ansi Vagnocchi was a big cheerleader for the product, but Yorma was nervous. And I think it was a product, I can't remember the exact numbers now, but um, they, I think that, that there was something like they expected to sell something like 40,000 or 60,000, and they eventually sold, I think, some staggering number like 20 million. Don't hold me on those numbers, but it is of that kind of order of magnitude. So it shows you what an impactful. Um, device it was. But I can't remember what the question was now, so we'd better move on.
1: <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I'm going to ask uh, Ben, so I've gone through the Mobile Museum website, and I've got to say it's probably the best website I've ever uh, had the pleasure of visiting. It's it's just so well designed, and it's easy to use, and I just love how when you're searching for another phone, the little signal bars will come up, and all this, all these little tiny things. So two-part question. Now, I already know part, part of the answer, but I'd like uh, to hear from you. Like, Who is the web designer and who writes the information for each phone? So great, great story.
0: So the Mobile Phone Museum, for people who are listening and haven't heard of it, uh, you can go look at it at mobilephonemuseum.com. Um, this is kind of my passion project, which uh, came to fruition um, by accident, really. So... Um, Back in those days when I was first at Vodafone, about halfway, I I wasn't there long. I was only there for about three three, three years, I think. Uh, While I was there, the the company was really changing. And they used to have like little workshops in the offices. We had offices all over this town called Newbury, about 50 different offices. And it was a legacy of the very engineering-led Vodafone. But as things matured and we didn't have to worry about those things anymore, the, the little kind of workshops they'd have in the offices were being knocked out to make more space for marketing and sales probably. And I remember one day some guys were knocking out this workshop and carrying all the stuff out to a skip in the in the uh, in the parking lot. And um, one guy walked out with all these big phones, and I was like, "Oh my god, what are you doing?" And he was like, "Well, we're going to put them in the in, in the skip." And I was like, "I mean, in those days, you didn't think about the environmental implications of dropping a massive nickel metal hydride battery into the ground." But anyway, um, I I said, "No, you can't, you can't do that. That's like a really important part of social history." So I grabbed these phones and uh my collection of mobile phones started and uh ever since then you know when you start collecting things I don't know whether you guys well I suppose you kind of collect phones but if you collect anything else like fridge magnets or you know thimbles or glasses or whatever it happens to be you know once people hear that you collect stuff they go oh yeah Ben he's the phone guy he collects phones so over the years I collected more and more phones um and uh It got to the point a few years ago where I had so many, I had to start cataloging them. I started putting some pictures on social media. I think that's you guys saw some of that and had some lovely nostalgic moments. And uh, I'd always talked about setting up a museum, but it was supposed to be a retirement project. And sadly, I'm a long way off retiring yet, as much as I'd love to retire tomorrow. I've uh, still got a lot of uh, commitments that I need to deliver on. And uh, mobile phone museum, I had all these phones. I started collecting them. And uh, then I had a fantastic uh, sponsor, a guy called Camel Vasek, who got in touch and uh, he said to me, uh, you know, I'm going to help you with this. And he provided some uh, seed investment, which was absolutely brilliant. And uh, amazingly, he put us in touch with a fantastic web designer called Code8 and a company called Toman Design, who helped with the design in answer to your question, Adrian. And uh, that was the rest of the story.
1: And uh, who wants information me for the? We, oh, can. we can. And who wants writes... and who wants information for the phones for each phone as well? Ah, oh, so the information
0: is unfortunately down to yours truly. Um, this is the joy of running a not-for-profit. Um, my evenings and weekends are spent researching um, the finest details of some of these individual devices. And for the Nokia devices, I'm extremely lucky because there's a tremendous alumni of people who are willing to contribute their stories. There's also a whole host of different books that have been written which I've consumed and scoured for details, Uh, for example, that Nokia 2110 example, where in Yorma's book, he talks about the target of uh, 400,000 units and total sales eventually of 20 million units. Um, But I'm always looking for volunteers. So if there's people listening to this show who have got some zingers of a story about some of these phones and the hidden uh, secret story behind a device... I would love to hear from them because the mobile phone museum is about celebrating the story of the device. It's not like GSM Arena, who have completely stitched up cataloguing devices. You know they've done a brilliant job on that. Um, this is about more than just the specs. It's 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 the story. And of course, of the two thousand five hundred unique phones we have on the on the, on the site now, and more than five thousand in total if you take duplicates. Um, everything you see on the site, whether it has a picture or not, we have in the collection. But if there's someone listening who's got some products where they're like, oh, man, Ben, you've got to have that phone for the museum. And they get their name on the Hall of Fame and and help us write it up. We'd love to hear from them.
1: Well, might be a couple of volunteers uh, talking to you right now, actually, Ben. Fantastic. Well, I know I
0: know you guys probably do have um, some phones. The funny thing is that. Once you have a collection, people start learning about it. And what's also interesting, and and it will be very much the case of the people who listen to this podcast, is the fact that there are people around the world who have got drawers full of phones, boxes of phones, sheds full of phones, garages full of phones. And they've kept them because they have this emotional engagement to them, but they just don't know what to do with them because they kind of know they want to do something with them. They know they're valuable, but they don't know where they can go. And that was another one of the missions of the... Phone Museum project, which was to create a place where people would know it will go somewhere. It's a not-for-profit. It's a trust. You know, there's a commitment that the devices will always be kept. They won't be sold. Um, and and I've made a few. You know, and it is a bit of a stereotype, but it seems to be men that keep phones. There are some women. You know, people like <laughs> Dala, who you had on the on the call. You know, she's super super passionate. But you talked about the lack of women in in the in the space during that time with her, and uh, um, there is. Uh, an amazing phenomenon that I'll go to someone's house or I'll be talking to someone and, you know, their wives will be there and almost hug me and say, oh, thank God someone's come to take these phones away. I've been <laughs> trying to get rid of them for years, but they go to a very good home. Um So it's a, it's a lot of fun.
1: And what about batteries and uh things like that? How, how safe is where, where you store them, Ben?
0: and that uh, that's a fantastic question um and that was a big problem so um yeah at the beginning i just kept them at home i had them in the garage in boxes and filed away and stuff and as the collection got bigger um a good friend of mine in one of the carriers pulled me to one side and said ben particularly once we'd got the charity up and running and we'd incorporated as a charitable company and everything else and he said ben you've got to do something about these phones because um, there's a, you, you could get prosecuted by the health and safety executive for having that many phones stored in one place, the kind of you know, lithium-ion battery bomb. Um, so we were really lucky to find a company called Genuine Solutions um, in uh, the UK, who are a specialized company who refurbish, recycle, uh, and do end-of-use on phones. And they have a warehouse uh, near London. Where they have all of the correct storage facilities, they have all of the certificates that they need, and they are now the home of the uh, of the museum, and, and it's all stored. We've got a we've got a um, a cage there with all of the phones cataloged. They're all barcoded, they're all scanned in, um, and that's where they're kept for safekeeping. And then when we do pop up exhibitions, we uh, obviously go and select the devices that we want to showcase uh, and pull them out of that store. And I keep I keep a few at home of my favorites um so i've always got them on hand but it's, it's a great question and it was one of the big challenges we had to overcome as we were putting the collection together
1: well that's one thing you might notice uh, ben that uh, I, I have all the good questions and uh, adrian has um the mediocre ones <laughs> you guys. You're always you do Excuse make me, me laugh at your to and fro.
2: I have to correct all your spelling mistakes, mate. Yeah, when you send true. through the questions. That's true. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a good banter here. We do we do. We do. Okay, on to me. So series forty, series No, hang on. Let me start again. Yes. Series thirty, series forty, series sixty. Series 90, you can only choose one favorite platform out of all the Nokias, Ben. Which would it be and why? That's an
0: impossible question because of the
2: fact that you've got two <laughs> radically different.
0: You know, that, that, there were reasons for those. So I think you could kind of lump S40 and S, uh, S30 S together. Um, yeah. my, if if I was like shooting from the hip and you just said, Ben, you've got to pick one, it would have yeah. to be S60 because that was that kind of tipping point of when we saw such a load of kind of really interesting more functional products so um, yeah i remember when the uh uh yeah we 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 had so i guess you're talking around the time of um yeah the 7 uh, 7650 so that would have been um oh when would that have been that'd be like 99 something like that um and uh you know that would be maybe it's even earlier than that but 7650 was a Uh, was obviously the first one. Sorry, 2001. So um, 2001, 7650 comes out. Incredible device. And yeah, we can look back at S60 now and deride it and say, you know, it wasn't capable enough and it was the platform that kind of ran out of steam and caused the demise of Nokia and everything else. But let's not forget, that was an absolutely incredible platform when it came out. A very good friend of mine, and someone you should have on the show, uh, a guy called Christian Lindholm. Uh, he's even written a book about user interface design. Uh, he was the father of the Navi key, um, which was the thirty-three uh, ten. Um, he was very involved in that project to the point where, if you look at his um, book on user interface design, which you can uh, you, you can pick up secondhand on Amazon for pennies now. Um, it, he he has all kind of photographs of all the Post-it notes with all the different uh, screen transitions for S60 and series uh yeah, yeah, S60 on top of Symbian. Um, so you had that product, and then it just went on to deliver so many different devices. You know whether it was Engage. You know the year after that, products like the N95, which you know, regularly comes up in your 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 guest top fives, which was a you know, astonishing device. And yeah, you know, then other products like N82. Um, N9, you know, there's so many products that came off the back of S60. So I think it would have to be S60, but I'll give S90 a shout out as well, because of course, the communicator platform, uh, which was kind of S80 and then S90. So again, we have to kind of build those two together. S90 only really made it onto the E90, I think, although someone on here will correct me uh, who's listening. But, you know, that the the, the, the commu- let's let's take that as a kind of communicator platform software. That was genius. And and the Communicator 9000 was an incredible product. And it was, do you remember I talked earlier in the podcast about this cupboard that I thought they had in the bottom of uh, Nokia, um, uh, Nokia house, that the Communicator was launched in 1996. And I'd been at Vodafone for a couple of years by then. And Nokia used to do these amazing launches at a Uh, ski resort called Zellum Z and there'll be people on this podcast listening to it who will go oh man best best weekend of my life uh, Zellum Z so Nokia used to fly the greatest and most important customers uh, to this resort they'd kick them out with ski gear they'd put on entertainment but they'd also unveil unveil their latest and greatest products I was way too junior to get invited to something like that I did get invited later in my career which was amazing Uh, But a colleague of mine, Alan Bennett Brown, uh, flew out to this uh, event. And when he came back, he was like, you know, the 2110. Well, Nokia have taken that phone. And when you open it, there's a computer inside it. And it was like insane. You could and you could receive faxes on the go, which seems like such a dinosaur thing now in this world. But I'm telling you, that was an absolute Game changer at the time. I know people who managed to buy a house using a Nokia Communicator 9000, which yeah, was unheard of in those days. So know yeah, that 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 platform went on to be such a significant platform for Nokia, and it was an absolute um, goldmine of patents as well for Nokia because there was so much innovation went into that. So a shout out for the kind of S80 S90 platform, but S60 would be the one that I'd probably pick because I think it was the most interesting and such a tipping point in the history of the mobile industry.
1: Fair enough, too.
0: Fair
2: enough. Very good choice. <laughs> the obvious choice, That's maybe. I've got to say, yeah, seriously, I mean, what about you guys? I'm
0: really interested. Let me let me turn the tables around. And, you know, I, I mean, obviously, you know, the ubiquity of the feature phone, you know, you can't argue with the numbers. It's astonishing. But um, would you would you go for S62? Yes, S60 all the way.
2: Okay. Mm. I don't know. For me, it's like a fifty-fifty because I started off on S forty, and uh, you know, I got in probably at the time where the N ninety-five had just been released and all that. But um, yeah, for me, S forty was like the quicker. You know, it was the, the software was more optimized. Um, so for me, and and just cleaner, just a cleaner interface to me. So that's what I liked so much about S forty. And and um, even though I got, really got into S sixty later on um i still have a very soft spot for s40 actually um
0: and there's one failed platform we haven't really talked about which is i know one of you is a big n9 enthusiast so uh (laughs) mimo amigo kind of uh you know that little adventure is uh is another of the software platforms that uh obviously never came to its full potential but uh s60 for me that was the that
1: was the game changer so well if adrian had a done a decent job with his questioning, he would have actually added that oh, uh, in, in, into it instead of just Symbian, you know what I mean?
2: Yes, yeah. and I should have added Milteam <laughs> in and <laughs> all of that just exactly. to please you, Justin. Yes, exactly.
1: here we go. Just here. <laughs> I like the obscure. All right, Bim. Okay, so looking back at the past with the mobile museum, it looks at you know, mobile innovation from the past. Do you see much innovation with phones of the future?
0: That's a question I get asked a lot. And uh, I think when back in, I don't know, 20, 2015, I started, because my, my day job is a, as, a, as a telecoms analyst. I've done all sorts of things. I worked at Vodafone, so I learned about networks and de- devices on networks. I worked at Lucent Technologies, where I learned about selling networks, so infrastructure. That took me to Australia a few, a few times, which was really cool. Um, down to Sydney for meetings Um, and then um, I had a startup doing mobile content so uh, a colleague of mine had had set this up a a really impressive kind of entrepreneur a guy called Simon Buckingham who set up something called mobile mobile streams and we owned the domain ringtones.com and so I got involved in content which was kind of fun and then I got into the analyst game working for a big company called Gartner which was really helpful because that got my name out there and then uh, helped set up a a business called CCS Insight, which is where I work today. And as an analyst there, I do a lot of work. I talk about the market. I try and predict where the market is going. And uh, back in, uh, yeah, I think it was 2015 when the um, Samsung Galaxy S6 Edge came out, um, I coined this phrase that the market was looking like a kind of sea of sameness. And I think from the moment in January 2007, when Steve Jobs walked on stage and pulled the iPhone out of his pocket, we ended up with this dominant design of this kind of slab of a phone, which we all know what it looks like. We all have one in our pockets today. And ever since then, there's been incremental improvement and some incredible innovations, you know, arrival of app stores, more powerful devices, amazing cameras, tons and tons of stuff. But um, we're on the cusp of some interesting innovation right now with foldable technology. And as someone passionate about the design and look of devices seeing all these companies experimenting like nokia did with all these different form factors all different sizes and shapes of foldables is quite exciting to me but um i still sadly believe that the dominant form factor will remain largely as it looks today and if you think of something like the galaxy z flip yeah, that's really just taking the form factor we have today and just folding it in half although a lovely echo back to those iconic flip phones like the razor and other things um so that's where there'll be some innovation, and then of course everyone talks about everything around the periphery—the smart watches, the augmented reality glasses, and other areas, which are you know things that I'm I'm looking at in terms of future technologies. But yeah, you know, things start to evolve to uh, various bits that look the same. You know, you have things like um, you know TVs, which all kind of look the same. Cars all look the same. Washing machines look the same. The only thing with the mobile phone is it's such a big business, and there's so many of them out there. People will continue innovating indefinitely because they want a slice of that massive, massive market. So it will remain interesting. But maybe the the heady days of the craziness of Nokia are long gone. And my good uh, buddy Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile, who you've had on the on the on the podcast as well, is doing a fantastic job of you know reminiscing around some of those devices and doing the incredible videos that he does. Um, and uh, he's a he's a huge supporter of the mobile phone museum project as well.
1: He is and uh, but do you think black and white arty uh videos promoting uh phones uh, Ben is a way to I go? I see where you're going with this. <laughs> I see where are going. With this. <laughs> do, oh, geez,
2: Justin's got this the balls to a, go through with this one. Uh,
0: this is a load of old nothing nonsense. <laughs> uh, you, you guys, I'm trying to think of some uh, much ado about nothing, nothing uh, to see here. Uh, <laughs> we can we can do all that. So yeah, come on, come on then. Let's 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 tease this question out of you boys. Are you alluding to my fantastic appearance on the oh, uh, I am. on one of the teaser no, videos yeah. for the nothing phone? Oh I am, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is yeah. Great, great fun you're, to do. You're a natural thing. Yeah. So that so let me tell you the story behind that. So um I, I I've been fortunate enough to meet Carl Pay a couple of times. I wouldn't say to you it's someone that I know well. Um You know, I've met him maybe on two or three occasions and um, the Nothing Project is being built out of London, which is great because that's where I work. So um, I've been kind of, you know, looking at it with interest because here's a guy who's saying exactly the same thing. So he's using that sea of sameness quote that I kind of coined all those years ago and saying we need to do something different. And he's also a guy who's immensely passionate about nostalgia. So if you watch, if anyone who's listening who's been following the Nothing Project, all the teaser videos, the stuff that Carl's been doing, he reminisces back to kind of some of those old Sony products like the Walkmans that came in rainbow colors and, and old Game Boy devices. And he's got that passion for kind of the the evolution and innovation of, of tech. So I was really keen to connect with him and got lucky enough to sit down and we, we, had, a, we, we had a coffee or maybe a beer, I can't remember. I think it was a coffee together. And uh, uh, he said, hey, we should do something together. And his marketing team said, would you be interested in talking about what's coming uh, with the nothing phone? And they came to my house and they filmed for three and a half hours. And I was a bit nervous about it anyway. Um, but And afterwards I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Because three and a half hours of footage i mean i know with you guys i'm i'm okay because you know it's it's a straight feed you're you're pretty good with it and you're not going to chop it up too much but if you give someone three and a half hours of footage to make a three minute film you could really hang yourself out to dry (laughs) um but it was a fantastic opportunity to talk about my passions and the importance of design and the journey we've been on and weave in a bit of mobile phone museum as well and uh it sounds like you guys watched it, so I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, all, all credit to Carl for trying to do something different. He's, he's trying to climb an impossible mountain with nothing phone. And so far, the buzz he's created, I don't know what it's been like in Australia, but man, it's across all the socials, it's in the media. For a little company out of London making a phone for the first time, albeit with Carl's tremendous experience from his days at OnePlus, um, they're, they're, they're doing a pretty good job so far.
1: I think he's doing a pretty good job so far too. So just quietly. And and it's such, I was so impressed. I even said to Adrian, I said, I've I've just bought myself a really good camera. And I said, you know what, Adrian, I'm actually going to start filming in black and white. This looks amazing. It blew my mind. It worked well. It
0: did. It did did come out well. I I, I think that, yeah, the black and white's a very effective media. uh, And and the guy who um, was the director for that, a guy called Hiru, he's done a lot of work. He's done some other ones. And uh he, he he did a great job of putting something together. I wouldn't want to edit down three and a half hours to three minutes. That's a yeah, thankless right. task. Yeah,
1: he's it is, he's it is one
2: hour long. That took. No, but seriously, yeah, props to props to nothing for trying something new with the uh, the glyph lighting on the back for sure. So, you know, like you were mentioning yeah, before, the, the sea sea of, of sameness. Hand. So, mm-hmm.
0: I've been playing around with it. I mean, the reality is, it's 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 a bit of fun. It's captured the headlines. Personally, I. I'm very interested to see where they go with it. Right now, it's a kind of a bit of a gimmick, but it's a fantastic mm. talking point. But yeah, they've yeah. buttoned up a phone which is about four hundred pounds in the UK. You can do the conversion. I don't know what the exchange rate's like right now, but uh, you know, it's 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 uh, it's quite a lot of phone for the money, and it will appeal to that kind of tech enthusiast. You know, some of the people who listen to this as well who probably know, you know, there are other phones that might offer more. But if you want to stand out from the crowd and you want something a little different, it's it's a fun device, and I've been uh, I've been enjoying using it. Very good,
2: and it smiles better than the Pixel Six A. Yeah, well, you know, I've got to do some bashing here.
0: Let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> they, All right. Those guys, they, 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 well, I will say one comment. The challenge with the Google guys is they consistently over promise and under deliver. And it's such a shame because the potential of the Pixel products is huge. But it mm. seems like every product that comes out the gate has got some kind of software issue or supply issue or whatever. But True. Uh, let's get back to Nokia. Mm. That's what we're here to talk about. That's what, that's
1: what the listeners want. That's what they want. All right, Adrian, over to you, my friend. Question number okay. six.
2: Number six. So. You famously went on record in 2009, saying that Nokia's Ovi store, or Ovi, however you want to pronounce it, is a step in the right direction, but Apple is still king of the hill. Nokia is going to have to spend a small fortune on marketing to make consumers aware of what it is offering. Now, did you believe at the time that you could see the warning signs and um, foretell the demise of Nokia?
0: So did you say, was that 2009, did you say?
2: In the 2009 question. did some googling yeah and, uh... so
0: by that point so at that point so this is the interesting thing because i think people rewrite history so you know n95 came out in september 2006 amazing launch event in new york um yeah obviously that was just before iphone in january 2007 even once iphone had launched people have this kind of you know misty-eyed view of history and The iPhone came and immediately it was a game changer and everything else. You know, I'm I'm not afraid to put my hand up and say, I was skeptical when the iPhone came out. You know, Apple come out, they've got this phone, there's no subsidy, there's no, you know, the the carriers can't really have any control over it. It it hasn't got standards that, you know, at the time we go, wow, it hasn't got MMS. I mean, ridiculous now when you look back. But the carriers and the operators were so powerful, it was like, they'll never allow this to happen. So the N95 was the device, and it was really interesting. But you know, by the time we got to December 2008, when the N97 came out, and we could have a 15-minute discussion about what a catastrophe that product was, and you guys have talked about it on previous podcasts, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, then you're getting into 2009. They've got the service strategy, and this is another example of Nokia where they were so far ahead of their time. It's unbelievable, You know that concept of mapping and music and content sharing and, you know, messaging and, you know, look where we are today with Google Maps and WhatsApp and Spotify and all these services which have gone on to dominate the category. They were ahead of their time, but honestly, S60 was so broken by that point. It wasn't just what I said in the quote about them having to spend a lot of money to get it going. There were some fundamental underlying issues with the company but the self belief some people might call it arrogance but the self belief at Nokia who just couldn't believe you know this is a time when Nokia you know 2007 time they had like more than 40% market share globally i remember i was doing mobile phone forecasts and i was like it's actually not even possible for these guys to lose their leading position they're so dominant who would know you know the 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 way the company would crater so quickly uh, but I think I, I, I would say to you what we were seeing in those early days, even around 2008, was what I used to call hairline fractures. So there were all sorts of issues with Nokia, which if you looked really, really closely, you could see all these kind of hairline fractures in the business, which to the, the kind of normal cursory glance that someone would put onto a company, you wouldn't really see. But if you were close to it, you could understand it. And then more worryingly, Despite the fact they were desperately trying to fix it, there were products like the N8, which is a another product which has come up you know, regularly on this podcast, which were beautiful pieces of hardware, but dreadful software, which completely diminished the experience. And uh, I think looking back, the writing was on the wall at that point. But I could never have believed in 2009 that Nokia would have ended up you know, basically disappearing into oblivion um when it comes to mobile phones um because I, I i felt they were doing the right things but you know what it wasn't the services strategy it, it was the the hardware in the end and the well not the hardware
1: sorry the software that let them down very true i remember at the time uh you know i'm big in tech and i used to get stuff magazines and everything else so i could see all the the models that were coming out but hardly any of the telcos in australia would would bother selling them and they were few and far between it was all uh becoming the samsung's and uh even the lg Optimuses and all these sort of uh yep. players which were coming up and you you could you could hardly find a, a nokia to save yourself that and another challenge they had was that the the, the the operators didn't want to help them
0: yeah there was, there was kind of this element that nokia got so powerful That there were there were Carphone Warehouse in the UK had a a internal program where it was like sell anything but Nokia (laughs) Um, because they were so afraid of the dominance that they had. So when they started to fall, people did support them for a bit, but I think there were a few people who were kind of like, well, you know what, this is payback time now, and that didn't help them either. But if the products aren't good enough, ultimately. You know that sad day when you guys kind of looked at that last Nokia phone you had and just said, "I can't carry on with this anymore. I'm just going to have to go get you know a Samsung or an iPhone or whatever." You know, by that point, then it was just kind of too late. But uh, yeah, sad times. Let's 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 move on and see if we can find some more kind of positive, fun, happy, historic memories.
1: Well, I'm actually going to look to the future, Ben. Okay. All right, so. With Vodafone being an international telco, and they're also a major benefactor of your museum, is there any chance a selection of phones could be toured around the world? Well,
0: this is here's here's a good here's a good question. That is a good one. Perhaps one day, right? So when we the the museum started in twenty twenty one, in twenty twenty five, it'll be forty years since the first mobile phone call was made in the UK, which is where Vodafone was founded and, and set up which is why they're such a fantastic partner for the mobile phone museum um i have a goal that i would like to have a a significant uh, in-person exhibit at a pop-up at somewhere like the design museum or the science museum or who knows where and the goal of that is once you've done one major exhibition it is possible to then kind of take that on a roadshow around the world and uh you know, it would be fantastic if, and as you said, as Vodafone as a global company, you know, maybe there could come a point that we could go on a roadshow and take the devices all around the world. But the goal is going to be firstly, to get that first in-person major pop-up exhibition at a a major exhibition uh, space in the UK. And all of the hard work that's going on right now in terms of photographing the phones, cataloging the phones, writing up the write-ups, all of that is part of the foundational work to get to the point that then we can go to a museum and say, hey, we have the asset, we have the knowledge, we have everything we need, we just need your help and probably some help for some big backers in the uh, uh, in the industry to, to make that come true. So uh, never say never, I'm not gonna make a promise that definitely I'm gonna jump on a plane and bring all the phones to Australia, but it would be a very logical thing to do. And I think, um, yeah, the mobile phone is such an important item in terms of the way it has shaped society over the last uh, you know, 30, 40 years that uh, it deserves to have the story told. And, and that's one of the reasons why we go into schools uh, and we're working on a program at the moment to develop a kind of STEM program to go into schools and inspire the engineers and designers of the future um, with the history of mobile phones. So. Uh, yeah, watch this space, but it ain't going to happen anytime soon. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, guys. Oh,
1: all right, all right. Well, Adrian's got a nice, uplifting question
2: for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, back this into is- back into the depressing rabbit hole. Now, no, that's no, a great question. <laughs> no, it's a good question. Uh, what do you miss most about the glory days of Nokia?
0: Oh, it's just the innovation and it's the excitement of the launches. And, you know, back in those days, in in the 2000s, phones didn't leak. You know, there's no phone now that gets announced that hasn't already been leaked. I can't think of a single device recently that has not been leaked. Um, And, you know, the Nothing guys took that to uh, to, to an extreme because they kind of, you know, Carl talks about leaking it himself. They made the decision that they would show pictures of the phones weeks before the actual formal launch because they wanted to manage the message so there was this incredible buzz around the nokia phone and what was more exciting for me was because i was in the circle of trust like you guys were and Darla was and rafe was and that's rafe blanford for people who don't know listen to his podcast uh, with you guys anyone who's listening it's well worth going back into the library and he's he's an amazing guy steve litchfield all those guys um we were in this kind of circle of trust where we got to know about the devices before other people and you'd sit at these launches and you'd know what was coming and then you'd be able to look around the audience and see the reaction to the uh to the phone and and sometimes it would be something that would be super super innovative you know take the uh, the engage launch in london in 2002 uh, Ilka Reiskanen on stage unveiling this incredibly ambitious platform which you know ultimately didn't deliver but that was absolutely amazing you know, I've talked about the N95 launch in in, uh, in in New York another one in New York Lumia 1020 we're going you know a bit closer now totally iconic device July 2013 massive event um those kind of launch events now it's just not the same so that that's what i loved and you and you never really knew what nokia was going to do what crazy crazy device will they announce yet um so i think you can tell from the passion in the answer i i i really loved those days back then
2: we do too we do too don't we justin
1: oh i loved it and uh yeah just as you say some of the presentations and Uh, A lot of big surprises. So, yeah, you're right. There wasn't much leaked uh, back in those days, and uh, I miss the uh, surprises. Leaks just kill it, kill everything for me. Definitely, definitely. They do, and you lose the impact. You know, the
0: media, they're all kind of like, oh, yeah, we've seen that, we know that, whereas in those days it would be a big
2: international story. It Mm. It was great. Yeah. Things like the 808 as well, you know, like the 41 megapixel. when like when I read the news, I was just like, <laughs> like, oh my god, like really? Like on a phone?
0: Yeah, that I mean that that that's a device. When I was thinking at thinking in preparation for this discussion, I was thinking, oh, you know, cool devices. I was looking at some of the rarities we have in the museum collection. And there's a few in there. The PewView 808, if you go onto the site and look it up, the one we have has a tampere limited edition back cover. So, yeah, and I remember, I remember the The euphoria amongst the Nokia folks at the uh, Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, they were like singing and partying. And it was kind of the last hooray for the Symbian platform. And I was one of the judges that gave that phone the award of best in show. And it was just after such a dismal time that that team had had inside Nokia. It was like this moment of euphoria for them. Um, but you know there's other there's other devices in there as well the nokia 7700 that that was the first uh dvbh uh it was it was a bit like the uh, uh it N-Gage. had the side talking yeah. uh like the um like the the engage super rare super valuable device um and, and so that was one there and one you've talked about in the past the uh the n950 uh, is 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 another uh, amazing product a gentleman called peter schneider um, donated that one of those into the museum, which is one of those kind of holy grail devices. So, yeah, you you think back to to some of those real icons, um, and uh, yeah, there are some very special devices that that came to market. But eight oh eight is a is, is a good one to shout out.
1: All right, Ben. So I've, look, I've noticed with the museum that there aren't many prototypes, and there's no smartwatches at all. Are you looking to expand into those categories? And I've also noticed some phones haven't been photographed at all. So do you need those phones or you just haven't had time uh, to photograph them yet?
0: Great question. Again, thank you for that one. That helps me a lot. So um, that was like a three-part question. No prototypes. <laughs> there are tons of prototypes. but uh, And um, prototypes are a really delicate topic with Nokia. Because, and by the way, there's lots and lots and lots of prototypes. There are not any prototypes of unreleased devices, unless you count something like the N950, the 7700. Yeah, we have those devices. They weren't really ever released en masse. And there are some people floating around who've got actual prototypes of products that never, ever shipped. But I'll tell you why prototypes are challenging with Nokia. In the employment contracts for Nokia, um, it was very very clearly stated that prototypes remained the property of Nokia and all the prototype devices and i'm i'm maybe you you guys have some or there'll be plenty of people listening you have some were very clearly stamped with kind of property of Nokia all over them um which kind of is the same as stolen from nokia if you uh, have one in your collection um and and there are a lot of employees who had a lot of these phones but they were such um good corporate citizens that when they left nokia they gave them all back and you know towards the end of nokia nokia swept up all those devices so there's a lot of people out there who are like you shouldn't even have prototype devices because i was a good citizen and i gave all my um you know devices back um so i knew this was going to be an issue when we set up the mobile phone museum so i got in touch with um I was lucky enough to be able to get in touch with, uh, and I'm going to murder his his surname, but Risto Silliman, I think it is the guy who was the chairman of Nokia and kind of helped to rescue it when things went wrong. Uh, and I knew him; I'd met him several times. And Risto was, I, I I posed this problem to Risto. I said, Risto, I've got a ton of, I mean, I would say we've got tens, or you know, maybe even a hundred devices that are stamped with prototype on them in the museum from Nokia. But I had this problem, which I knew if I started showcasing those products, there would be a huge backlash from a lot of the Nokia employees who'd done the right thing and given those devices back. So I went to Risto and I said, Risto, will you give me permission? Can you help me with your legal folks to get me permission to have these devices in the collection? And as a result, um, we got a legal agreement in place, which allows the mobile phone museum to have devices which have property of Nokia and our prototype pre-release devices, not unreleased devices, we don't have any of those, but pre-release devices in the collection. So yeah, there are some prototypes, but if anyone has some of the crazy prototypes that never got released, well then I would love to hear from them and the museum would be happy to try and host those devices. We have some incredible products from other companies, the uh, Nortel Orbiter, um, we have the map phone from Motorola. We have some incredible prototypes from Microsoft's early days with uh, uh, Windows Phone and Windows Mobile. Um, so there are prototypes in there, but 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 uh, not, not for Nokia. Now, just re- refresh my mind on some of the other parts of that question, because I think there were like three in there. <laughs> um, oh, the pictures, the pictures. So um, if you go to the Mobile Phone Museum, you will see there's about 500 or 600 phones that have photographs with them we um are working really hard to build an exceptional library of photography for these devices so every device that is photographed on the mobile phone museum goes to a high-end photographic studio all the different angles of the phone are taken and we now have i believe one of the foremost libraries of images of nokia devices and all the other ones that exists on the internet it's unique because the quality of the photography that we've got is an order of magnitude better than the photography that was done when these devices were launched or reviewed or whatever. Um, the problem is that costs a ton of money. So for each phone, you know, you're looking at um, you know about thirty pounds per phone to do that. So if you multiply that up, four minimum of four pictures for every phone, five hundred devices, you're soon talking about you know tens of thousands of pounds to photograph the whole collection. I would love to photograph every single phone. If there's some kind of wealthy philanthropist listening to this podcast who's got a ton of money and would like to make that dream come true, drop me a line. Uh, In the meantime, we have to kind of live with the resources, the limited financial resources we have in the charity. And therefore, we list all the phones. So if there's a picture or if there's an image, an icon, we have that phone in our device. And I have boxes and boxes of phones waiting for photography when I can afford to do it so that that's the answer to that question
1: that's a great answer I uh, never even thought of it like that and smartwatches at all Ben? oh smartwatches to... so yeah. <laughs> so you
0: you know what this project is so ambitious already that I have to rein myself in but you will be pleased to hear that there is a kind of wearables museum as well so we have uh, I have a little you know collection of smartwatches of the era. So, um, yeah, I I think we own wearablesmuseum.com and we have that. Uh, We also have a growing collection of VR devices. Um, We have some hearables, we have some other things in there. Um, So yes, we do have an informal collection of wearables and smartwatches. But to be honest with you, I want to keep the platform pure on phones to start with and really nail that one. But then we can use exactly the same platform and infrastructure to then roll out other technology in the future. So yeah, we do we do keep watches. And the great thing about watches is they take a lot less space. So they're a lot yeah. easier to keep. Uh, so that's another one which you know, in future with the right amount of money, the right amount of resources, someone who's smart enough to do the write-ups and everything else, I'd absolutely love to extend the collection in that direction. And we have kept some devices to make sure that we can tell that story. We also have an enormous collection of PDAs so, you know, Palm Pilot devices, Visor devices, Trio devices, HP pack devices. Uh, we have all of those um, uh, because I think they're foundational to the story of how we got to the smartphone. Um, but again, we haven't done a lot of work in terms of cataloging and telling the story yet.
1: Well, There's more to this guy than uh, meets the eye, Adrian.
2: It is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unraveled, uh, yeah, never-ending... Um, spider web there <laughs> yeah it's very interesting very interesting it is
1: all right Adrian your your uh, final main question
2: yes we're at this point in the podcast Ben you know what's coming up
0: oh man it's the top five
2: yeah it's the top five come on hit us
0: <sighs> this is impossible for someone like me I mean I know most of your guests <laughs> struggle with this I I went through, I went through the collection and just pulled out tons of devices. I'm going to name check a lot of them as well, and then we'll get to the top five. But if I go through my kind of journey with Nokia, we talked about the 2110. That was amazing. Um, there was a curious product called the HP Omnigo 700. Did that ever make it over to you guys? It was like a kind of two uh, HP 200 LX with a bulging top um, with a kind of Nokia. PCMCIA card shoehorned into it and you could slot the 2110 into the top of it. Go take a look at it. It's on there's some pictures on the mobile phone museum site. That's the Omnigo 700 8110 Matrix phone, iconic. I mean, oh man, what a with the banana phone, Communicator 9000, Nokia 3110, yo, know, icon, true design icon. Nokia 7110, first WAP phone, the uh mechanical slider which they kind of had on the 8110 but never shipped, but they had it for the Matrix. Product Nokia 7650, we talked about that. Um, Some other devices that just are iconic, you know, for for the wrong reasons in some cases, 3650, that crazy circular keyboard. 6650, um, that's a bit obscure. That was the first kind of 3G phone and that had the code name Kenny. And uh, that came from um, this character in South Park who had the running job. Did you guys ever get South Park? There were people who listen who know about South Park. So it Kenny costs. McCormick who uh was the animated character there <laughs> and Kenny repeatedly suffered painful deaths before appearing again in the next episode and um the uh, the Nokia 6650 ended up with the code name Kenny because the project was killed so many times during <laughs> development that uh, you know every, everyone gave it this funny name. So you know a, a phone that deserves a mention but isn't in my icons. Another one I don't know whether you guys have talked about this one before the Nokia 6800 with the handlebar keyboard. Do you remember that one? It kind of folded out and you could type yes. on both sides yeah, of yeah, the yeah, screen. Yeah.
1: yeah yep, yep. I yep. could
0: touch type on that device. I didn't even need to look at it. I lived and breathed that device for two years. Engage just because of the story and because of Ilka Reiskanen, who is such an icon. The whole fashion collection, 7280 lipstick phone, all the different variants of that. Beautiful, beautiful products like the 8800, um, the stainless steel product. And the list goes on and on and on. But I have to pick my top five. So in reverse order, I thought about a, a camera a phone that was centered on the camera. And there's a couple in there because Nokia did so much pioneering work there. And it was a really, really tough call between the PureView 808, which has appeared in other people's top five, and the Lumia 1020. And I think I'm going to go for the Lumia 1020 because I think the Lumia 1020 was the kind of peak, ultimate, kind of more mass market, incredible camera phone ahead of its time, and that banana yellow iconic look which you know if you saw someone holding one in their hand across the street today or across a bar or whatever you would instantly know what that phone was and i i had i got so much joy from that product and took so many amazing photographs and steve litchfield still i think uses that product as a benchmark all these years afterwards so that's number 5 number 4 It was a close run thing between the N82 which was another product which has come up numerous times on this podcast and was a device that I took incredible pictures on. And it was just a lovely form factor but I I haven't got space for that one. So I'm going to put the N95 in there because I think again as a device which was showing that Nokia was top of its game, that product was absolutely key. So that's number four. Number three Communicator 9000, that story I told you about the mythical meeting at Zellum Z when Nokia created this incredible icon of a phone where they had this phone that looked like the 2110, but when you opened it, there was a computer inside. And when I go into schools with the mobile phone museum and show that device (laughs) to the kids there, there's always a gasp when I kind of open the phone and the computer's hiding in there. Um, Oh, now it starts to get really difficult. Um, I, I, I'm i going to go with the Nokia 8800 because I had an engraved version of that with my name on the back of it. It came in a beautiful presentation box. It was an object of beauty and desire. Um, and that clunk as the phone slider opened and shut was just kind of, oh, just incredible. Beautifully engineered, a Frank Nuovo special, absolutely gorgeous. Went on to inspire and design the whole um, Virtu range, which we have some Virtu phones in the collection as well. So a beautiful, beautiful phone. And then finally, we end where we began the Nokia 2110. And I'm not going to revisit all the reasons why that phone means (laughs) so much to me, but yeah, that's where my career began. The mobile phone industry has been incredible to me. The mobile phone museum is something where I can give something back and leave a bit of a legacy. And that device has defined how the mobile industry has evolved in terms of, you know, texting, mobile data, the internet. There's so much that that device unlocked. Uh, and it was kind of my first real phone that I had. So I guess that always has a special place in your heart. So there you go, guys. That That's the top five for you.
1: Well, thanks, Ben. That's probably our most well-prepared top five. Uh, we've had a guest uh, come on and uh, say, but they're very great, good top five, li- li- very varied. And I love how you've sort of differentiated between the N95 and the N82 because they are basically the same phone, but uh, as you say, just the, that different form factor makes all the difference. Yeah, that double slider on the, I remember that, you know, you know YouTube,
0: you know, video on a device, you know, when you slid it the wrong way and you got the media keys. Yeah, I mean, you just see people now just glued to their phones watching video and just thinking it's like normal. That was so groundbreaking what Nokia did with that phone. That, that phone was an exceptional uh, crystal ball into what the future of mobile phones and smartphones could become. It's just a shame that that was probably the point where S60 was just on its knees and uh, it just couldn't take it any further.
1: Yeah, the sequels went uh, pretty good at all.
0: So you got any bonus questions for me, guys? You usually have a little zinger at the end for your guests just to oh, catch got a, them
1: we've, out. We've got a few, actually. Here's one to catch your <laughs> <laughs> Hello Kitty phone. Do you really want one? <laughs> there you go. Phone. That's that, nice. That'll throw you right out.
0: <laughs> That's a good – is that is that on our most wanted list? I can't remember whether it, it, it is. is or not. It is. It's oh, a HTC it's on the,
1: it's on, Explorer it, it, or something, I think
0: it is. Yeah, I you know what we we do these lists, and I'm always trying to kind of create this list of these phones that just you know are, are icons that you know for some reason some people look at them and go well that's not a particularly kind of exceptional phone, but I try and keep that list of most wanted devices. And we launched the museum in November 2021, and within 12 months we'd picked off 16 of the devices that we didn't own, uh, and I guess the uh, the Hello Kitty phone. Um, yeah, HTC Butterfly S Hello Kitty phone. I don't know why that <laughs> caught my eye as a product that should be one that we should include, but if someone's got one out there, um we we'd love to uh we'd love to add it to collection and uh, tell the story of of that device. So I've got uh, a, yeah, I've... and and you know take a look at the most wanted list. There's a few products on there. Um there's there's a there's a, a, a Nokia device um which was a device launched for the Chinese market the Nokia 6108 which had a stylus which was fashioned on the idea of pulling a samurai sword you know the kind of those um warriors that had the sword which was like came out of the top of their head like kind of they had it in a backpack behind their neck and you could kind of pull it out <laughs> yes. and start battle that device uh, I don't know whether you remember it but look it up 6108 um I have tried to find that device so many times I even bought one uh from China and it turned out to be a hooky one that was kind of a fake and I was so disappointed. Um so that's one that's kind of one of the Nokia icons that we 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 don't have which I'd love to find. But yeah there's lot there's lots of other ones as well that I'm I'm sure we're we're missing from the collection. Uh there's an, another one that Nokia sixty seven oh eight which was a uh, a kind of UIQ esque uh, ODM product, I think that uh, that Nokia
1: made. So uh, yeah, there you go. That's the answer to that bonus question. All right. And i I've actually got to say I'm very disappointed, Ben. I, I was thinking oh, I can maybe I've got some phones that you know Ben doesn't have, and I'll, I'll, I'll gladly you know volunteer that you can have them. And I thought I bet he doesn't have the Motorola V70. And sure enough, you bloody got the Motorola V70. I, I, I'm thinking, damn. What a what a beauty
0: though that phone was. What an it is. absolute legend of a product. Um, that that um, that product is a close run favorite phone for me. I, I have had that as my favorite phone on occasions because for people who don't remember that, um, that was a product that was like this tiny little phone. When phones, there was this age when like phones had to be small, and uh, that was a time when phones were like really really small. And, uh, and you could hang it around your neck and it had this beautiful rotating um, dial. You have to kind of see it uh, and uh, it, it really was the most exceptional product and it went on to inspire the Motorola Aura um, which is a, a device which is one of our kind of most wanted devices as well although we have had one variant of that phone uh, donated to the museum. Um, But, yeah, beautiful product. And thank you for the thought anyway. It's nice to know that you guys were rustling through the drawers, seeing if there was anything that you could add to the museum.
1: Well, I still might. But anyway, Um, does the term fashion plate mean anything to you, Ben? Is that a term? Fashion, just repeat repeat what you said, fashion play. Fashion plate. It's a term that we have here in Australia. Do you use that term in, in England at all? I've, no, I haven't. You can probably
0: tell from my question. No, I'm not, 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 not aware of that. Tell me. Come on. Let me. I'll learn
1: something from the podcast today. What is a fashion plate? So a fashion plate is someone who dresses exceptionally well. So okay, this, this is a compliment. So have you always been trendy with your clothes? Like, yeah, your shirts are just so on point. Ben. They are amazing. I am not trendy with my clothes. Yeah,
0: I occasionally throw on a nice shirt and uh, and i like it with particularly you know some of those interviews i think the world's got quite boring so if you can get a kind of zippy shirt to put on um it's kind of fun but i'm 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 not i'm not that best dressed guy i really appreciate the compliment but uh apart from the odd nice shirt that's about as far as it goes oh, um, but um but thank you thank you very much it's very kind i i, I uh, yeah that that that'll make my wife smile because she thinks i dress
1: appallingly <laughs> <laughs> All right, and my last bonus question and you and you you touched on it earlier, but this is what I was saying that you've you sort of uh have the same thoughts as I do. So I generally have categorized mobile phones into different eras. So for for example, from say two thousand to two thousand and seven, I've called the Pleistocene age because of just the different proliferation of uh designs, everything else. Two thousand and seven to today is the Cenozoic, so it's like Normal times, present day. So, and it's all all the same. So, have you, and obviously you've done something similar.
2: Yeah. I mean, I,
0: I, you know, you go on a journey in terms of form factor. So, I always talk about this kind of, you know, you started with the big transportable phones, which is like the era of, uh, yeah, there were some funny companies back then you know that yeah maybe Jurassic right if, if, if you're going to do it like that I I, I don't know my different eras well enough I, you're very eloquent with describing them but you know you start with the transportable phones then you go into the kind of the Motorola era the brick the iconic Dynatac products the Michael Douglas greed is good you know you can visually you can see it it's like a, a I can I can say that and people have a picture in their minds and then you move into the kind of candy bar um, Nokia doing a great job there you know 30, um, yeah, Thirty, 3110 3310 all of those kind of devices all of that like s30 era um, and then you have the kind of design diversity the explosion of crazy innovation nokia trying to put having this kind of matrix of segmentation of about 45 different kind of personas where they had to have a product in each box and you had the fashion phones and the the kind of gaming phones and the crazy design phones and the the, the twisty phones and all of this kind of stuff that happened, uh, and then obviously we get into the era where we are today, uh, and that's that they're, they're kind of the the eras that I think of, and there's different manufacturers who had different strengths. So you know we've seen Motorola being strong, we've seen Ericsson being strong, we saw you know Samsung, you know I guess are there now with Apple, uh, and there's other you know NEC had a had a whole time when they were. When I joined the industry, the NEC P4 was like the phone, this analog phone that looked like a kind of space shuttle out of a science fiction film. So there have been so many different eras. Um, But I, I, I think you're right. There have been phases along the journey. And I think we are all on this call lucky enough to have lived through the most exciting era of innovation and creativity and uh, you yeah, know, hats off to Nokia for being the you know preeminent company in taking us on that
1: journey. Here, here. And what about you, Adrian? Do you have what, what? happened to your bonus question, mate?
2: Oh, I managed to managed to rustle it up. So beautiful. beautiful. I was just doing and a bit um, of fluff, trying to get Adrian to find time to get his. Bonus yeah. question. <laughs> Very prepared here, as usual. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to add quickly, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, like you, you said earlier, you know, when you were showing the kids in the schools about the phones and all that and it's just um, – and yeah, you just saying just now that uh, we, we're we all very fortunate to have lived through the um, just the development of the awesome days of these mobile phones with various form factors and all. And, um, yeah, it just yeah, it just makes me very sentimental, I guess, um, just hearing it, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's very poignant
1: that so, – So what's, what's the question? <laughs> yeah, what's the question, Adrian? Get to the There's point, no There's right. question. I'm
2: just trying to make a point. It's, I'm just saying, you know, like even – I want to make the point that, um, you know, I showed my daughter. She's nine years old and uh, she you know goes through my old Nokia phone collection at times and she just, you know, just the, the look on her, her face and her eyes when she just goes through various phones and, you know, finds out their sliders and they can flip and turn this way – you know, it's just um, it's such a different world to them as well, because they're just used to the to the slabs, I guess, that we've got these days for phones.
0: So I'll give you the question, which is what's it like going into a school to show nine-year-olds old <laughs> phones and what is their reaction? <laughs> which, Thank you, Finn. <laughs> and I will tell you that it's mind-blowing and it's inspirational. And I go in with like a load of phones all of these kind of many of these icons that we've talked about today. I've, I've gone on and on about the communicator, but it's so iconic. And you can, there's such great storytelling around that device. But yeah, you give kids these phones and yeah, they pick them up and they think, well, is it a TV remote control? Is it you know? how would you make a phone? How would you make a phone call? You know, the idea of you know, actually, even holding a phone to your head and talking into it, because we've kind of moved from this voice interaction with a device to a visual interaction with the phone. Now, you know, people don't, you know, kids don't make a lot of phone calls anymore. Um, we even sometimes take, which is not a, a mobile phone, but um, uh, well, it is actually the old kind of rotary phones that we grew up with as kids. You know, where you had to kind of dial a number by rotating the the dial on the front of a phone, and in the PSTN, not mobile. There's a version of that phone. Um, which is now available which has a sim card in it. So it's it's designed for actually it's, it's very successful with people who've got alzheimers. So you can set up this phone, it looks just like an old school rotary dial phone. Uh, and if you had an elderly relative who, you know, is struggling because you give them a, a, a mobile phone and yeah, you know, they just don't turn it on, they don't charge it, they think it's a TV and remote control, they lose it. You put one of these phones in front of them and you can even program it whatever number they dial, it will always dial one single number. So yeah, you know, If it's your elderly grandfather or your mom or whatever who's struggling, they can just pick this phone up and dial with it. If, uh, if it rings, they know you pick up the receiver and you talk into it and you put it down at the end. And sometimes we take that into schools and say, try and make a phone call. And these kids are completely bamboozled. But it is so lovely. And then what we do is we show them all sorts of different devices, Nokia devices, BlackBerry devices with physical keyboards on them, phones with colourful plastics like the Motorola Rainbow StarTAC, and then we say to them, you can design your phone of the future. And because they don't have any limitations around their kind of imagination, they create these incredible phones, which you know, you know are not going to be practical. They've got keyboards and game buttons on them and holograms and all sorts of stuff. And that kind of inspires me to think that this story is not over because there are kids out there right now who will become the designers of the future. They will become the Johnny Ives and the Mark Newson's and the Frank Nuovo's. And they will inspire, um, be be inspired enough to create some new form factors and new experiences because it's got to happen. Just, you know, history shows that there will be another step change in innovation on uh, on mobile phones. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that story emerge. I'm keeping my fingers crossed it does happen.
1: Well, thank you, Ben, because you've you've inspired me now because I, I've, you're right, kids have just, it's, mobile phones have become ubiquitous, you know, they're all the same, they don't understand, my kids are lucky and Adrian Adrian's daughter's the same, they've seen all our phones, so they, they, they've seen the different designs and, but we grew up with that and, so exactly. we 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 know exactly. You know, as you say, when the, when you mentioned about kids, when you open up the communicator and they just gasp, they think, whoa, a phone can do that. You know, you never you never think of it that way. But you're right. So if you show them, it, it's it's going to have a new age of design. I, fantastic what you're doing, Ben. I really really love what you're doing. Well,
0: thank you so much for having me on. As I said, I have listened to the. How many are we? Series three now, I think. But the first two series, you've had some absolutely awesome guests. You know, I was thinking about the people who've been on my journey with me. You know, there are lots of Nokia people. I talked about Mark Squires, Matt Chatterley, who's my partner in crime on the Mobile Phone Museum, Ilka and Stephen Elop's been a topic of conversation. You know, he he got an impossible job, but I enjoyed working with him. Um, You know, other people like David Wood. I mean, what a guy he is. That was an incredible episode you had with him. Michael Fisher keeping it alive, Rafe Blamford, Steve Litchfield, Dean Patrick, good buddy of yours. There's so many people that I've been lucky enough to listen to on your podcast. And I wish you the very best of luck as you continue to get this franchise going. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I hope people find it an interesting listen. And uh, you know, do get in touch uh, if, if anyone has stories to contribute to the mobile phone museum or devices. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear from you.
1: Well, thank, thank you, Ben, and uh, thanks for those kind words. Uh, it, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on as well. And uh, I know Adrian and I have both uh, learnt a lot
2: today, haven't we, Adrian? We have, and uh, thanks for your support and uh, everyone's support out there. Um, support the Mobile Phone Museum uh, to give it a look. And, um, yeah, uh, look to see if you've got anything in your, in your drawers that you might be able to uh, donate and help out Ben at the Mobile Phone Museum.
0: Great. So, yeah. Well, That's it's great. time for me to untie the boat and go south. I'll be. Uh, I think we didn't really talk about that at the beginning, but this podcast comes to you live from a, a narrow boat, which is a boat that goes on the canals in the UK. I'm about to start my uh, vacation and cruise off for two weeks from uh, kind of up, up, up near a place called Bicester, down to Oxford on the Oxford Canal, down the Thames, and then turn right at Reading and go along the Kennet and Avon Canal. And uh, I'm so pleased that the technology has worked. I've uh, I've sent the guys a few pictures. You could maybe tweet one of them, Adrian or Justin, whoever's the, yeah. the big tweeter, and kind of go, this amazing... <laughs> I was panicking. I didn't sleep last night worrying about whether Are I'd have serious? enough bandwidth. So, wow. uh, well, I had a bit of a restless night because I wanted to smash this podcast. And uh, you'll well, see you the have. picture of the boat with, uh, with an antenna stuck on the roof you know, kind of. I was out with this this app this morning called Cell Mapper trying to find out where the signal was and how to optimize it. But the technology is delivered again. So uh, I'll sign off with that. Thank you, gents. Have a great time. Looking forward to more podcasts from you guys. And I hope we get a chance to catch up again in the future. Definitely. Definitely,
1: mate. All right. And thanks again for coming on too, to, mate. I really appreciate it. We both do.
0: It's awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, I get. How do we stop this now? Is there like I can't see a stop button?
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's an X next to your name. I think is there? Yes. Okie doke. There you go. You go. We'll, we'll we'll do that.
0: Well, I'm going to say goodbye. Um, thanks again, guys, and uh, we'll keep in touch.
2: We will. We will. Thanks again, Ben. Enjoy your little holiday okay. there. Okay.
0: Goodbye. See you soon. All right. see, see you right, soon, mate. mate. Bye. See ya.